You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. Carl Schusler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here, Ron. Great. Carl, um, you have a bifurcated career. One of your things that you're brilliant at and you're sort of Superman at is taking rural hospitals back to health again when they're on the brink of uh, disaster. And I want to talk about that first. And the second thing you do is you've got a real interesting 20,000 foot view of the benefits market as a benefit advisor of very sophisticated plans. So you've been in this business for what, one or two years? Yeah, uh, I think a total probably, let's see, um, 20, well, man, that's a 30, 30 years. Okay. And you're in Florida and Georgia and Georgia, Georgia. Live in Atlanta, Georgia. So who do you root for when they, they thought I was from New York, but you know. I couldn't tell by that accent, but, but how do you root for are you a Bulldogs fan? Or are you a Seminoles fan? Uh, I'm a dog. You're a dog. Okay, everybody knows a dog. That. We're fist bumping. You can't everybody, see the song Everybody there. knows I'm a dog. Okay. So is my son. Um, he doesn't miss any of the games and what a great season. Congratulations. On the uh, doorstep a few years in a row, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Carl, talk about the rural healthcare problem we're having, particularly in Texas, where I'm from. You know, primary care is what this show's about, but if you don't have rural healthcare in some counties, you have no care at all. Can you talk about sure. that? Sure. Ron, I, we, were, uh, we were blessed to have opportunity to go and speak at the Texas Public Policy. Uh, they had us out. They had heard about some of the things we'd done. We'd been on a uh, that free to care conference uh, telecast that was nationally broadcast. I think um, 42 people were tuned in, <laughs> but I was in a deer stand uh, doing the telecast and uh, I'd gotten to know the head of the, of the director of health for Texas public policy. And, and um, yeah, through Dr. Lee Gross, who's a real well-known DPC doc who's crusaded for DPC across the country. And he is who brought us into this hospital and uh, long story short, um, um, when we were out there, I just did a little research. And I saw that I knew that Texas, because it's the biggest state in the world, right? It's uh, had 21 closures since 13 of, of hospital hospitals, and I think 72 of 254 counties don't have uh, hospitals, and a big obstetrics problem all across the state in these rural areas. My, my dad was a 40-year practicing OB/GYN. Okay, so you had sort of a passion for taking this Florida hospital. And what was the name of the county the hospital was in? County was the fourth poorest county in the state of Florida. The per capita income was 25,406. It moved up a little this year. It's still about the same ranking, but it's DeSoto County. And what happens in these rural counties when the young people move away and now the hospitals are just stuck with older, less healthy patients? That's, that's a great question. There's a lot of, being in that situation, there's a lot of care and Cade patients in that area, obviously. So you mean Medicare and Medicaid? Yeah, well, I'm just trying to be fancy. I mean, it's take, trying to act like I know what I'm talking about. Now you're going to, now everybody's going to know I don't. Um, but uh, no, they, they're, it, it's an interesting part. I think it's about 38,000, the town's Arcadian. And so, yeah, you have an interesting dynamic there. The hospital is actually an unbelievable hospital. 
Matter of fact, I'd put it against any hospitals in Tampa and, and so forth when you look. And um, I generally more CMS type guy than I am leapfrog, no offense. But um, well, hold on, let's take a step back because most listeners don't know the difference between the rating systems. What is leapfrog and what is CMS? Well, that's <laughs> my understanding of leapfrog. We're talking to some hospitals is some of those things are maybe bought or where CMS is a little more objective. Mm -hmm. And this hospital is for a 49 bed hospital, um, four stars. And that's better than a lot of hospitals in Orlando, Tampa. I mean, it's a wonderful hospital. It just only has a very limited amount of things it can do. So, um, and we, we will talk about some medical tourism that's actually been done at that hospital in a few minutes, if you like, but well, yeah. But that's, that's the challenges in this. And you've had a, uh, when you bring that up, so you have a, a 157 employees, many of them have worked there for years. So they've been employed there. They've gone, they've worked at a hospital 20 plus years, very common. And a lot of the people have never gone to that hospital for care because they don't want Dr. Barship to see them naked, mm -hmm. as I always say. And uh, so they would go other places. And when we met them, their plan had the same deductible to go to Mayo or to go to their own hospital. So we, 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 we'll get into that in a minute, but we've made some changes and weaponized the, pro, the plan. And all of a sudden the foreign medical spend for four years had averaged 79%, meaning how many of the members were going outside of the hospital. And we reduced it to 62% one year. Let's talk about mm -hmm. medical tourism. When some place has a center of excellence and they're also a low cost provider and they're doing a lot of something, that's going to be a place you want to go to to get that procedure sure. done. What were they well known for? Were they getting well, that's a good point. I don't think they were well known for anything at that point, but Dr. Gross had a patient that he had gotten and they brought in a, uh, ortho, a, 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 a knee, it was a knee replacement. They brought in an orthopedic surgeon from Sarasota and they were able to do a knee replacement for, I think, $18,850. So a little more than Health City Caymans. Mm -hmm. And Health City Caymans is certainly not Arcadia, Florida. But um, anyway. You'll remember Health City Caymans if you're a regular listener, because Debbie Shetty was on our show about eight or ten shows ago. If you remember, Debbie Shetty's done more um, cardio surgeries than anybody practically on planet Earth. And he will do in his... Uh, 25-year career as much as most people do in a 40 or 50-year career and a 10,000 versus maybe 108 or 110,000 in an MD Anderson or a, a John Hopkins. So that's what medical tourism is. You go to the Caymans, you get your better service, you get your better outcomes and a much lower price. And you spend the rest and have a ball in the Caymans. You're a little fishing. Um, so now we're back to the hospital. What was the financial dire situation they were in and what what happened? What, what did you do to get them out okay. of that? They, when we met, we met in Soto, and I think it was probably November 17, and uh, we eventually got hired uh, August 15th of 18. We, you know, twisted their arm enough to, to hire us. But uh, one thing I do want to say real quickly, or, or to do the things we do, um, yeah, do we feel we're good at what we do and we give good guidance? Absolutely. We're, we're benefit advisors. We lead. Um, but you have to have a courageous employer. And as, as my friend Christy Gupton says, all it takes is a good advisor and a little courage. And that courage component is significant for that employer to take the leap to, and it's not, I wouldn't say a leap, but to be courageous to do something different when they've done it a certain way forever and ever and ever and ever, right? And so the situation at hand with the hospital was, 
Uh, again, Fort Forest County, state of Florida, they lost obstetrics in February of 18. So these people in this county have to drive an hour to have a kid. That's a problem. Yeah. My dad lived with babies for 40 years. That's a problem. And high-risk pregnancies, things like that's not a good situation. So that was the situation at hand. They were with a BUCA. For any of you there, everybody know what a BUCA is? Blue Cross Blue. United. <coughs> Signa. Right. So they were with a BUCA. Um, uh, 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 TPA, and uh, they also had a Buca network, and they also had a um, at one of the top um, PBMs in the country. Everybody can probably figure out who this is at some point, but uh, so yes, they had all of those, and their spend was two point two million. Of that, it was four hundred eighty-two thousand of drugs. And when we wrapped up the first year in uh, September of 2019, September 30th, it was 990000 So they saved $1.2 million or 54%. And that's, you know, Ryan, you're just kind of, that's pretty significant, Ryan. I mean, you, you, you got nothing to say? Well, I'm looking um, at margins of hospitals. I'm thinking in my head they're at a 5% if they're a nonprofit, if they're a for-profit, might be even a bit more than that. They're state hospital district. They are a dish hospital, obviously. So a million dollars to the bottom line of a 49-bed nonprofit, because it's a nonprofit in the state, would be a significant bottom line that might actually keep them on the brink of oxygen and staying alive versus uh, shutting down. All right. They hired their first full-time surgeon in the history of the county. Mm. And they're going to lose obstetrics because the young people don't live there as much anymore. But at the few that do, it's a very big problem. And so expensive to keep that open and, and get the utilization in. How does a little town like, what was the name of the town again? Arcadia. How does Arcadia hire any kind of a doctor to move from a big city to want to live in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, that's a great, great question. They were able to get this surgeon. They certainly had some doctors, obviously, but Dr. Lee Gross is the direct primary care doctor that brought us to the hospital. He opened up a another location. He had a location about 45 away, mm -hmm. and then he opened a location there. So they have now they're they're taking care of about 206, and they're 318 belly buttons, and they're taking care of 206 of them, which is which is great. Right now in their direct primary care. So the bigger piece is why does a hospital have direct primary care? I mean, that's not normal mm -hmm. since they own doctors. But they saw the value in it. And I, and I think when I wanted to go back and I asked the question, how they get the doctors there, they don't really need a lot of doctors right now. What we're trying to help them do is turn this into a community initiative, a community health plan. That was a vision of Vince Seeker, the CEO, Lois Hilton, uh, Director of HR, Dan Hogan, the CFO, and their whole executive team, which deserves really all the credit for doing this. And the leadership there was so important to get this done and the commitment uh, to doing it. Um, the real secret of doing this and saving money is we eliminate the middles. So let's, we, let's unpack that, what that means. I'm going to say in the middle is going to be not only a buka, that's going to be a middle, but you're also PBM. talking about a PBM is going to be a middle. Um, probably a lot of advisors that are unnecessary, uh, spending a lot of money on, you know, doing analysis of spreadsheets is going to be a middle. Who else is the middle that is squeezed? You can squeeze out. Well, you kind of, you kind of named it. We okay. basically, our goal was to bring what we call neighborhood health care, eliminate all the counterproductive barriers, get back to it. As people know me, I always say Marcus Welby, MD. Unfortunately, you probably know who that is. Yes, I like, do. like I do. I'm embarrassed to say. When I speak with in front of younger audiences, they 
they'd look at me and said, just go Google it. Yeah, you can't it. say George Clooney, he's a hospitalist. You can't right. say McDreamy, he's a hospitalist. <laughs> All the new guys are hospitalists. That's, the resident, he's a hospitalist. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, um, so anyway, that, that predominantly the PBM, the TPA, and the Buca Network. So we eliminated them. And, and it's more to it than that if we can talk how, depth you, how deep you want to get. But that was a big component of it. Went with an independent third-party administrator. We were able to make the hospital their own PBM. And that, for you folks out there, that's program bilking millions, <laughs> pharmacy benefit manager. But we made them their own PBM. And then just a quick story. So we were ready to go live with that July 1st. And uh, CVS... Uh, one of the cartel pharmacies bought that independent pharmacy. It so now with, it runs with SME BBS. Might be. Okay. And then we, then we're going to, now they're opening their own internal pharmacy in house that we hope to take to the community and be able to offer scripts a lot less and bring the city, county and the school. And then the, uh, there's a few large employers in the area, bring them together. So I, this I love what you did is you got the community rallying around their only hospital, their only medical center. Um, and by becoming members of the DPC or members of the hospital, what were the, what were the schools doing to uh, enroll well, there? Well, we haven't, we haven't got, we're in the process. Okay. Uh, as good as this is, I mean, we're, the, uh, the craziness is a lot of our clients uh, have been caught some attention nationally. And so we were reached out to by a group called Patient Rights Advocate. You can look it up, and and I want to thank Cynthia Fisher for her leadership and everything she's doing, and Marty Jamison, who's assisting them, and Whit Wells, who came and filmed his group. They came down and filmed three of our clients. Marty's and, been on our show three times. Uh, yeah, Marty's yeah. awesome. Yeah, she's great. Um, and we were able to do this, so now we've got this unbelievable material. I'll show it to you when we get done. And uh, the videos are fantastic. And the DeSoto, they were rock stars. I mean, it couldn't have, it's one of the better ones. I mean, they were just perfect. The only problem is me, and I was in it a few times, so I ruined it. But, a little toothpaste, a little deodorant. There was, that'll work. <laughs> hey, Charles, so, so when, it, when we talk about hospitals taking a leap of faith, I imagine that it is absolutely huevos cutting time when they've got to jump out of the, the brand that they know, whether it's a booth or whether it's a PBM, it's a well-known brand. And they're leaving... You never get fired for leaving IBM, but you can get fired for hiring some unknown. You are jumping into this vast unknown. So that's when you're talking about courage of this executive team that they had to just trust you to leap into the void because there weren't a lot of examples of this, were there? No, there weren't. And the other interesting thing, Ron, is they're a hospital. They work with bukas all the time. And so a lot of what I've learned about hospitals, I'm being from Georgia, there's a lot of hospitals that work with an independent TPA to remain neutral to the bukas, but this, you know, but it's still very common that you'll see it. I think the biggest thing we did is when we did what we call our benefit education meetings for anybody listening, if you call them open enrollment meetings, you're outdated. It's a benefit education meeting, teaching employees how to live within the four walls of their plan. That's what you're doing. It's not open enrollment. So don't say it in my presence. So anyway, we were able to, when we started, we asked them all, do y'all know who the insurance company is? And they said, the Buka. And I said, no, y'all been self-funded for over 20 years. It's DeSoto. 
DeSoto is the payer. And that's a real problem with these ID cards. They hide behind the Buka logos. So you see these ID cards have the Buka logo on them. But the re- let's, let's clarify why, because they are a third party administrator that are making sure the claims are being right. efficaciously. They're, they're so in confusion. The it is, but there are a lot of people that refer to them as the payers. Right. And everyone that knows me, and it was stated today, they're the processors. Right. The only payer in healthcare is the employer and employee. That is a real problem. So they're the processor. Mm-hmm. So on our ID card, we have our fair cost health plan. We have the name of the employer, DeSoto. This is DeSoto Built Healthcare, not Buka Built. And we have DeSoto here. Okay. And we have the TPA's phone number there, but their logo is not even on it. Because this is employer. What we did, and this is important, yeah. on October the 1st of 2018, we literally sat there for five hours from one o'clock to six o'clock in the evening building their plan brick by brick. So they had what I call insurer-built healthcare, which is the easy button. It's off the shelf. We literally brought all these bricks and components and built it brick by brick, the best bricks we can find that allow them to be the best fiduciary steward of their dollars. And we wanted to be involved to help. We treat their money like it's ours. That's how we do it. It's interesting that um, you, I believe it's a fair statement to say you built phase one of your brick by brick house and you have probably a phase two and a three in mind to make them even more savings than the nine, well, million one or million two that you've already well, saved. I, I don't, I mean, Ron, let's just, let's don't get too, too, too fast here. I mean, that, that's a, we want to go right bar. to bed that's that day, bar. man. That's but, a high bar, brother. I mean, that's a high bar. You do have to have some phase thinking about now we're going to do next and they're next and next. Well, what, what can they potentially save if they enact everything you think they could save? Well, I, th- I mean, there's one or two other things we did that are quite unique. We we had, and I remember when Dr. Gross was at that meeting on October 1st, and we would kind of go through the BUCA claim data for two years that I had analyzed with our team and everybody looked at it. We identified 66 people that were in three categories. So we stratified the risk into three categories. Lifestyle management, that's that's uh, five, uh, five, up to $5,000 in claims. Um, the active disease management, five to 10,000 claims. The last category is a chronic care management, which is greater than 10. And you know, I know you know that 10% of your population drives 73% of your cost. So we knew that and we had it broken out in the numbers. And by, with three months, remember, we were on that BUCA plan from October 1st through the end of the year of 18 and moved to the fair cost January 1. So three months on BUCA nine months on fair cost. So once we did all of that, um, we, within three months, we identified another 31 people that were in those categories. Now you understand the significance that we're we're not 66 for two years of that Buka data. And in three months, 31 people had to have a claim to show up. That's how bad the data is there. So that is how significant that is. The more, but the bigger piece is like the hospital agreed to invest in this fairly expensive program. So if you are a diabetic, you get free test strips. You get um, a glucometer. And these things are important. As I always say, everybody's heard me, George Costanza, do the opposite. So everyone's charging for test strips. Do the opposite and give it to them. If you do the opposite, of what, especially what your broker says out there, folks, you'll always be better off unless they're like us. But anyway, um, long story short, those people have a good commenter. Now, we didn't know the, how significant the program was. So in these benefit education meetings, the employees are coming in and we're talking about it. And they're like going, these people won't leave us alone. They're like a debt collector. So if they don't do their glucometer at 8.30 and noon and 3.30 in the afternoon, 
these people are calling them saying, are you okay? What's going on? So it's, we've heard these stories and people come and they call on us and all this garbage and it never happens. This stuff is working. So the bigger part is we call it integrated coordinated care. I see squared, don't steal and I'm trademark. Navigation, wrong. navigation. Yeah. Well, we have that too, but, okay. but this is significant. So all of these people now are being taken care of and it was for them. Mm -hmm. These are benefits for the people, not to the people. And that's the difference. Mm -hmm. And so they bought into that and now they're taking care of themselves because we took the cost out of their pocket. And then once a week, Dr. Gross of the patients he treats in the DPC side, they get a readout once a week. Of the, it could be the blood pressure readouts or the, or the glucometer. So they know what's going on with patients. So now everyone is singing from the same sheet of music. You know what I'm hearing you describe as a chronic care plan. Now, what do you do to make sure that they have enough of the right kind of insulin and enough amounts of insulin so they never run dry and have to go to ER, which is a good point. That's our partner. Okay. So when they are in, what we did, what they, what the hospital did is anyone that was identified for any of these programs had to participate. It's been proven with the risk to lawyers and everything. But if they, if they didn't, at the end of the quarter, we look and they get a little bit, they were going to get charged a little more. So the point was to get them healthy. They got that and they're better and happier. They're, the presenteeism is not an issue anymore. They're acting, they're at work. So uh, the supplies are automatically given to them when they enroll in the program. Is there a, uh, a law in Florida that disallows the hospital to give the meds at cost to their own employees and maybe mark it up a little bit for their patients? That's a good question. They, again, really didn't have, they had a little pharmacy, but it was it, this whole situation now where they're creating their own. They are a 340B eligible hospital being a disproportionate share and uh, that's one of the things we're doing. But for right now, I, I can't answer that because I think a lot of the scripts are being filled outside. And one of the things we did is we, we did a preferred pharmacy network and a non-preferred. And we charged a $15 differential copay, which getting get people's wallets, they're going to community pharmacists to support the local uh, piece of it, relocalizing care, bringing it back like we call neighborhood healthcare, neighbors, healthy neighbors. So um, that's what we did. 304B folks, if y'all are listening, is a federal program that allows um, 71,000 different players to buy drugs at essentially a wholesale rate. So the, there's a 304B, 340B, my apologies, that's in San Antonio that was telling me they're buying their EpiPens for about a, two cents. I spend $120 and I buy tons of them every year for my allergy clinics. Um, two cents would be very preferable to 120, but I'm not a 340B and they can't pass that on to me. But what they do in 340B, we've learned today from a future guest, Marilyn Bartlett, is that they mark it up and they put the profits into the bottom line of the hospitals and other players that are in the bigs. And it's not um, what the plan was set up for, was it, Ron? Right. That's a great point, Ron, but here's the difference. These rural hospitals need to stay open. Mm -hmm. If there are 340B candidates, you build it within the within the hospital and say Humera, we know is a penny, mm -hmm. 340B price, and maybe the hospital, and, and I'm not revealing or saying, I'm just hypothetically talking, if we know Humera is four to 5,000 a month and that employer in the community is paying that, mm -hmm. if the hospital lets it go for 500 or 1,000, everyone wins. And we can share it back with the hospital. What you're referencing is hospitals jacking it up and making all that profit no matter what. That's not the model we're doing here. So what we can do with them being their own PBM, and it's like fair cost DMHRX, is they can take that to the city, the county, and the school. 
and they can enjoy those savings too and share the savings together. So you, that that's the significance yeah. of that. So you have you have what 340B was actually set up for, which is to share the savings the community. community instead of the bottom line of uh, name your favorite hospital. <laughs> Let's talk a minute about what are some of the biggest inequities if you were king for a day? Let's say you were your your name's Alex Azar. What would you focus on? Uh, for the larger picture of healthcare, because I can tell right now, Carl, with the time we have left, we have a whole nother interview we got to do another time. We both want to get back to uh, the bathroom where we have to every 30 minutes do our business because we're old men. You actually want to have me back? I want to have you back to talk about your other side of your business, which is actually making your money. Fair cost health plan. Which is really, um, you did this almost charitable thing, and I think every rural hospital, we have um, a closing every 36 times a year, uh, 36 times a year, which is about almost every week in America. And when you hear a hospital closing, it's not the big one down the street in your city. It's the little rural hospital in that town you drove through once to get some cantaloupes, right? I, I think the significance of all of that, Ron, is this. People move to communities for three reasons, jobs, education, and health care. Mm -hmm. And when health care dries up and leaves, I mean, excuse, when health care goes away, yeah. the town dries up. Yeah. Yep. And there's no attraction to coming there because, mm -hmm. again, driving an hour for a delivery or whatever it be. So I think that I, this is absolutely replicable across, replicable across the country. Um, I'm trying. I sat right there with, with, with the senator in Austin, Texas, a few weeks ago. I offered any time. They named the time and the place, and I will have my butt on a plane out there in a heartbeat. I haven't gotten a phone call yet, but that it can be fixed. Yes. Absolutely, it can be fixed. And the other thing that I think is really important is, is like I said, this is a four-star CMS hospital. They don't grow on trees. Right. And I think if we're looking, you're asking if I'm Azar, I'm going to go look at all the dish and, and critical access hospitals, you know, less than 25 beds. I'm going and look at all of those around the country, look at them, and I'm going to I think you have to start with the ones that had the highest ratings because, Ron, if we live in, in Barship Unincorporated and Schusler Memorial is a hospital and it's a one-star hospital, I'm going to have a hard time convincing the city, the county, and school to come there. Rally behind number four. We're That's number right. four in the race. That's out of right. four racing. Uh, right. So that, I think, if you ask me, if you're about rural health, I mean, you want to ask about how to fix it all. That's a whole other discussion. I'm not smart enough to engage in that one, but – that that's one of the things I think they do. And I ask uh, these, did you meet uh, B, uh, BJ and those mm -hmm. guys from St. Louis? Super cool. Yeah. They entered, we talked for about an hour the other night and we were discussing this and that's what I, Oh, let's get with the rural health associations and find the best performing hospitals with quality ratings, fix those first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got a one star CMS rated hospital. We got more problems than just them struggling financially. Right. Right. There's too much to fix. Yeah. Um, so, Carl, I'm really glad you were on the show today. I can't wait to bring you back again as soon as we can. Are we done? Well, it's 30 minutes goes fast when you're having fun. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good-looking guy. Um, but so here's the question I have for you. If a banner was flying over America and you could get one message across to all Americans, what would that banner say? I just want to let y'all know <laughs> we, had to, we had to do a 20-minute pause there, and we've edited that out because Carl didn't have no idea what to say. <laughs> I've never been one to be known short on words and I never prepare and I just come off the top of my head. That's a, that's a tough one. I think it, uh, how about healthcare is fixed? Call 404-941-5519. You know, it's hilarious. That's the name of my book. Did you know that? Healthcare is fixed. Okay. That's my website. Healthcare is fixed. Okay. No joke. Um, I'm promoting my book now. Healthcare is fixed. We'll take you right to healthcare is fixed one and two. My books that will be on the market very soon. 
Actually, Healthcare's Fix is an audio form right now. We'll talk about that in another show. Carl, I can't tell you how much fun I had on the show with you. You're just such a knowledgeable guy, and there's so much more to talk about. And you're actually my first benefits advisor, so congratulations. Oh, really? Yeah, you broke my virginity, dude. Oh, man, that's a, that's a scary thought. Uh, I hope we didn't let anybody down. I'm, I hope we were... We weren't too passionate today. We generally, people know I get pretty fired up. Give us your website so people can find you. Or, sure. or do you want to give your LinkedIn or what's the best way to Sure. I don't, I don't know the link. It's, you can just LinkedIn, just look up Carl Schusler. S-C-H-U-E-S-S-L-E-R. Schusler. And, and Mitigate Partners is www.mitigatepartnersplural.com. Okay. Carl, thank you again. And I look forward to our no, next show. I appreciate it, Ron. Thanks for taking us. And thanks for letting us tell what we consider to be the backbone of our country and a story that needs to be heard more and more. And we can, we can take this and replicate it. So let's go get it done. Man, thank you. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up. There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.